Hey, my name is Lincoln Radfield, and today I'll be reading from Philippians 4, 4-7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Clear Creek Church. My name is Josh. I'm the teaching minister, and if you're joining us online, a big welcome. We're so glad that you're with us. If you can't be here in person, we are so thankful that you're a part of it. I'm going to invite you this morning to lean in as well, just like all of us here. Be a part of the gathering. If you are there with the chat, you can reply, talk to people, share your thoughts as we go through this morning, but but lean in, because I believe God has a word for every person, both here as well as anyone else who may be watching on line or later. Now, before I do anything, though, um, I so appreciate Logan reading this morning's scripture. Didn't he do a great job? And I appreciate him doing that. He's over here this morning as well. So it's so good to be a part of a church with so many awesome followers of Christ of all age and to know that you don't have to be 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 to be a vital part of God's family, but wherever and whatever age you are, God wants to use you even now. So again, appreciate you, Logan. We're going to get into the text here in a moment, but before we do, we're in this series called Anxious for Nothing. And next Sunday, I'm going to ask you today, you need to be here next Sunday. We're going to have two, not one, but two special guests with us. It's going to be a great Sunday that you do not want to miss. I'm not telling you why. I'm not telling you what. Just be here next week for a great time together. Now, as we get into part two, uh, I, I got to tell you, I wasn't able to be here last Sunday, but Mitch did a fabulous job bringing the Word of God. And I am so grateful. Yeah, you can show appreciation for him. I appreciate what he does. Uh, Mitch is a fantastic communicator, and it's just great to be able to partner with people like that. Today, we're going to get into a text that, for many of us, we've heard for years, but perhaps, and my prayer has been all week, that perhaps today, this familiar passage would not simply become familiar with our minds, but become familiar with our souls. You know the difference, right? There's a familiarity of, oh yeah, I've heard that, and there, there's the, I know it. And I've been begging God all week that what we talk about today would be an, oh yeah, I know it when we're done today because this is something that can change everything for you, my friends. And I pray to God that you will receive what he has for you this morning. Now, the way I want to start it is with a bit of a survey, both here and online. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If in just a moment, the words I put on screen, not yet, but the two words I put on screen, if they have ever applied to you, I want you to raise your hand. And online, if you want to join in, I'm going to ask you to type the word yes if the two words on screen apply to you. So here's the question. Are you ready? Anyone in here willing to raise your hand if you have ever felt overwhelmed by anxiety or worry. Anyone in here ever feel the weight of worry or, oh man, we got some honest people here this morning. God bless you. There's a place in heaven for you. That is awesome. Now, and it may be interesting for you to know that there's some really interesting research about worry. And this is legit research. They have found that there is a connection between high intelligence and high levels of worry. Did you know that? 
So I'm going to ask the question again. Some of you are going, oh, I want to raise my hand now. Okay, so how many of you have ever felt overwhelmed by anxiety or worry? Anyone in here? Oh, man, all the smart people are raising their hands. I get it. I get it. Now, it may be common in America. It may be common in the church. But it is not God's best for his kids. Did you know that throughout the scriptures, the words of our Savior Jesus, the apostles, the Old Testament prophets and writers, all the way through, there's this consistent theme that excessive worry and anxiety is not good. The, the scriptures do not look favorably on excessive worry or anxiety because that is not God's best for you. Anxiety is a thief. It steals your moments It steals the memories that you could make. It steals your mental time. It steals and saps your energy and your emotions. It takes away your peace. Anxiety is a thief. And some of you know the pain and the lost time and the lost years because of anxiety. Some of you this morning have walked in here carrying and wearing more than a mask, but the weight of worry on your shoulders And for the next few minutes, I'm going to be as honest as I know how because I understand the weight of excessive worry and anxiety. Some of you already know this. I, for over eight years, dealt with some severe depression to the point that I was taking medication and was seeing a a counselor on a regular basis. So I'm with you. I understand what it's like. But that's not God's best. It reminds me of this story of a woman who is so anxious for years about the prospect of a burglar breaking in while she slept that she really just couldn't sleep. And this went on for not just days, weeks, months, but for years. Anxiety literally kept her awake. Well, one night, she and her husband were upstairs about to go to bed when all of a sudden they hear a bump in the night. The husband jumps out of bed, grabs a flashlight, creeps down the stairs, and as he comes around the corner, he looks, he stands up, and there, face to face, is a burglar. And he didn't know what to say. The burglar didn't know what to say. They pause, they freeze, they stare at each other until the husband goes, oh, this is a great opportunity. And he says to the burglar, he says, excuse me, can you please come upstairs and meet my wife? She has been waiting 10 years to meet you. Now, here's the point. A burglar can steal from you once. The burglar of anxiety can steal from you day after day for decades. And some of you know what it's like to have lost years of your life to anxiety, don't you? That's not God's best. And today's text is going to give us a tool in the arsenal to attack anxiety. See, Paul says very clearly in verse 6, he says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, when I read that, I assume Paul must have had a typo. Anything? Is that, is that really what he wrote? But yeah, so how is that possible? Well, let's first, let's talk about God's best because we need to understand what God's goal is for you. God's best actually is described by Paul in verses four and five of that same chapter. Notice what he says. He says, God's best is this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? The Lord's near. He says, God's best for you is rejoicing in gentleness. Rejoice simply means to be full of joy. And gentleness means to be kind, not severe, or harsh. 
God's best for you and for everyone around you is that you would be full of joy and gentleness. But the reality is joy, gentleness do not cohabitate well with anxiety, do they? Have you noticed that joyful people are often not the most anxious people, but anxious people struggle to be joyful people. And God says his picture for you, his way that he's designed and wired you to enjoy life is to be full of joy and gentle, not bitter, not angry, not biting, not abrasive, not someone who's kicked the dog to everyone around you for what has happened to you. God's best is joy and gentleness. And he says, not just sometimes, not just when things are going well, but notice the word he says, always, always. So no matter what has happened or is happening, God's goal is joy and gentleness for you. This means if you have the job or don't, God's goal for you is joy and gentleness. Whether you have good health or you're waiting on a report, joy and gentleness. Whether your marriage is going well, you don't have a marriage, you wish you did, your kids are healthy, happy, well-adjusted, or you don't know where they are spiritually or emotionally or health-wise, joy Always. Now listen, Paul the Apostle is not making a suggestion or a recommendation, is he? This isn't like, I suggest this. No, 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 no. Paul, inspired by God himself, tells Christ's followers it is God's good goal for you and me to be full of joy and gentleness. Now, look, if this is a command, how do we do that? Have you ever tried to tell someone who's feeling down, buck up, it'll be okay. Just try it sometime when your wife's feeling blue, gentlemen. Kids, your teacher's a little miffed and you're getting the brunt of it in school. Just try it out. Tell her, it's okay. Be happy. Be nice. That doesn't work, does it? And yet Paul is commanding this. And he he says, listen, here's why, here's why. He says, rejoice not in your circumstances because you can't control the circumstances. Your circumstances will be up and down. Rather, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is near. This, This idea of the Lord is near, two things just to be aware of. This isn't in your notes. You may just want to jot this down. Number one, when it says the Lord is near, it refers both to the second coming of Christ, that when he comes back, it's sooner than it was when you walked in this morning, isn't it? Hey, who's excited to hear the trumpet sound? Who's excited to see the sky rip open? Like, what does it look like when a sky is ripped open? What will it look like when the one who created the sun appears and is brighter than the sun? His appearance is coming. The Lord is near. You can rejoice in that, can't you, family? But it's not just that the Lord is coming again, but rather it also refers to the the physical closeness of God right now. It's sort of like God saying through Paul, hey, you know that close talker that you try to step away from? Any of you know a close talker? Anyone will? Some of you going, I'm sitting next to one. Okay. You know with a close talker, maybe you've learned the skills of getting away. You just kind of cross your arms and then you take one foot, put it here, and then lean back. Instant distance. I saw a friend do that once, and there was a close talker he was talking to. This close talker was not slowed down by it at all. The close talker looked down, saw the foot there, and just straddled the foot and got close again. (laughs) The Lord is near like the close talker. doesn't matter if you step back. He leans in. He is close to you. You can't rejoice in circumstance, but you can rejoice that the Lord is near. Paul commands this because, notice this. Put this next slide up. 
Joy and kindness are decisions more than feelings. Joy and kindness are decisions more than feelings. Now, it doesn't mean that you feel like being kind, but you can choose to be kind, right? Now, this, this is what God's best is for us. You say, so are we just going to try harder? Oh, no, that's not the way to win this war on anxiety. I want to show you that part now. Are you ready? See, he says this is God's best, but this isn't what many of us live into. Rather, in verse 6, he goes on to say this. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, if joy and anxiety are enemies, if they don't work well together, then we need to know the enemy. What is anxiety? Now, before I tell you, before I put anything on screen, let, let's, just, let's just talk for a moment here. When we try to answer the question, what is anxiety? That is a complex question to answer, isn't it? Anxiety can be a lot of different things. Anxiety can manifest itself physiologically, correct? It can be emotional. It can be mental. I would argue, and we're going to talk this morning about the fact that I think there's always a bit of a spiritual component, but it is still and can be physical, emotional, mental, chemical. Did you know, uh, if I were going to geek you out this morning, I would show you that they have actually found a part of a chromosome that if you have an enlarged portion of this chromosome, you're more prone to worry. By the way, how many of you now are worried you've got a larger part of your chromosome? You're going, oh no, I'm a chromosomal anomaly. He says, do not be anxious about anything. That, that there's this, there's so many things and it's a complex issue. Here's what I want to do. We are not going to give simple answers to a complex question. The church cannot afford to give the world simple answers to the complex questions they ask. We're going to deal this morning primarily with the spiritual side. Look, I'm a preacher. I'm not a doctor. I didn't even stay in a Holiday Inn last night. Some of you will get that joke from the commercial. I am not going to recommend medication or, or, or any of that stuff, but I would say to you, some of you, and as I did, you may need to see a counselor You may need to be under doctor-supervised medication. That's okay. We're going to talk holistically about this. But for a few minutes this morning, we're going to focus in and lean into the spiritual side, okay? Because that's the part I can help with. In weeks to come, we'll talk about some of the other stuff. But today, it's going to be the spiritual stuff. So what is anxiety? Let's do it this way. How many of you have smoke detectors in your house? Anyone have a smoke detector or more? Good answer. Excellent, excellent. Three weeks ago today, it was midnight, My wife and I are laying in bed. We're sound asleep. Kids are asleep. All is well until that horrific sound pierces the whole house. The smoke detectors went crazy. I bolt up. I jump out. I start looking around. Lindsay goes upstairs, checks on the kids. They're scared, but they're okay. I'm checking to see, is there smoke anywhere? I don't see smoke, but I'm checking. I'm looking. I'm looking. Finally, the smoke detectors stop blaring. But I'm still going, why are they blinking? There's one where the green light should be. It's now red. So I'm going, what's going on? I pull out the manual and I realize these are not simply smoke detectors. They're also carbon monoxide detectors. The silent killer. You can't see it, smell it, taste it, touch it, but it can kill you. So we did what we were supposed to do. I grabbed the kids, put them in the van. We went out into the driveway, laid back our seats. I call 911. The firemen come. Fireman Jack rolls in about 12 o'clock, 12.15. We go, we look around, and by the grace of God, nothing was wrong. We just fixed a few things. But here's the point. The smoke detector's alarm was not the problem. It simply revealed there might be a problem. Are, are, Are you tracking with me here? 
Anxiety is the loud alarm that says something may be wrong. You may be able to see it or you may not, but something just isn't quite right. Anxiety is not the problem. It may only reveal there is a problem. So what is anxiety? What is that alarm? Paul tells us this word anxiety in the Greek literally means to be pulled apart. That's what anxiety is. It's to be pulled apart. You say, what does that mean? Have you ever showed up someplace physically, but your mind is elsewhere? It's still on what happened earlier in the day, how your boss just completely chewed you out for what you did or didn't do. Or or maybe it's in the future waiting on that call from the doctor or the test results, or you're wondering about your children. You're in these different places where you are being literally pulled apart. And the pain that comes from being in multiple places, this is what anxiety does. It literally pulls you apart. That is the enemy anxiety. And Paul says this is not God's best. This is not God's good for you. To live in anxieties, to live a pulled apart life. Okay, Josh, how do we fix this? What do we do? Paul's going to show us now. Are you ready? Next few words are going to be some of the most important words you'll ever read. Here's the first one. It's the big word, three letters. Do not be anxious about anything But, everybody say, but. Oh, oh, come on, come on. Let's do this like you mean it. You at home say it, even if you're by yourself. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. In every situation. Which situations? Every situation. Don't be anxious, but in every situation. Three words. Number one, pray. Number two, petition. What does that mean? Pray means to talk to God. God. Very simple. Talk to God. When you feel anxious, when the alarm goes off, step number one, talk to God. By the way, you don't need to pull out King James verbiage to talk to God. Put the these and thous away unless you already use them in common speech. Actually, don't even do that. That's just weird. Don't do that even, okay? Talk to God with your voice and your way. Listen, you do not have to talk to God like someone else for God to listen to you. You're his child, and he listens and loves your voice with your words. You say, well, 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 how do I do this? Well, the next word gives us an answer. The word petition literally means strong crying or begging in the Greek. So you come to God, you talk to him, you say, what do I say? Whatever you're feeling is what you say. Are you happy? Share that with him. Are you scared? Share that with him. Just tell him what you're feeling. You don't have to impress him. You don't have to beautify your language any more than you did as a little child going to your parent or an adult that you trusted. You simply say, help, I can't do this. He says when anxiety attacks, you begin the attack back by going to God in prayer, telling God how you feel. What this tells me is this. God can handle all of your feelings. Now, you don't believe me? Read the Psalms. David, the master psalm writer in one psalm, would talk about how great God was, how good things were. And on the next page, you'll read Psalms where he's like, why have you forsaken me? He's all over the place. Because he knew what you and I need to know, that God is not scared of your feelings. You've never had a thought, feeling, or idea that surprised God. There's never been a moment you've rolled up to God in prayer, told him something, and he went, ooh, that's, that's, ooh, okay. Uh, I'll get back to you on that one. Okay. You will never scare God away. When you're anxious, you go to him. Prayer and petition. Now, let me be very clear what I'm not saying here. This is important to hear me now. I am not suggesting, nor is Paul suggesting, that if you pray about your anxiety, that God is just going to remove the thing that's making you anxious. 
That's not what he's saying here at all. What Paul is saying is that when you go to God with your feelings, when you go to God about what's going on, he's going to give us, God is going to give us something stronger to hold on to to combat the anxiety that is attacking. See, anxiety is a relational term. It is a contrasting term. The reason you feel anxious is there's something that seems bigger, scarier, more powerful than you, and that's why you feel anxious about it. You don't feel anxious about things that you feel in complete control over, do you? You don't wake up in the middle of the night worried about something that you took care of yesterday perfectly. It is the things that feel bigger, more powerful, rougher. That's what causes anxiety. And so when you go to prayer, you're not saying, God, take away the anxious thing, but God is rather is about to show up and say, I'm going to give you what you need that is stronger to hold on to. What is that thing, Josh? Here it is. You're ready. Prayer petition with, here's the secret sauce, the secret weapon, thanksgiving. You're going, oh, is that it? Is there, is there like a secret under this? Yeah, actually there is. Are you ready to hear it? When you talk to the Father, you do so with thanksgiving. What is thanksgiving? It is, well, it's giving thanks. Uh, oh, this seems out of order, though, doesn't it? When you consider thanksgiving, how does the order s- typically go? I would like something, someone does it for you, and then you say what? Thank you. I ask, you do it, thank you. That's the order. Thanks comes after what they do, right? But Paul says, you present your request with the thanksgiving built into it. Here's the way I think about it. Um, I love receiving thank you cards and appreciation cards, and I like doing them. I'm just really bad at remembering to write thank you cards. Is anyone else in here sort of forgetful like me? And you, it, a few of you? Okay. We can dim the lights for the rest of this message here. I, I, I want to, but I just forget sometimes. And so I remember back in high school, January rolls in. I'm like, this year's my year. I'm not going to forget. I'm, I'm going to do it. So I went ahead and I began to pre-write all the thank you cards for the people that I expected to receive a gift from. Uh, it worked. So, so I, I was like, okay, Grandmother Diggs, she always sends a card with a little gift inside of it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write one to her. And Grandpa Crosby, my mom's dad, he always sends something. So I'll write one to him as well. And I thought about the people who always gave gifts. Now, I left the gift line blank in the thank you card, but I went ahead and pre-thanked them for it. Now, now this is really important. And just if you're going to do this, be sure to use the same pen when you fill in the, the, the gift thing, as with the rest of it, just, just a little hint, use that. God bless you. You're welcome. But I did this as a way. It was a pre-thank you card because I anticipated their generous gift. Hear me now. This is so important for someone here. Thanks anticipates God's help. Do you, do you get that? Thanksgiving anticipates God's help. See, the reason I could pre-thank certain people is because they had been so consistent in the past, I could count on their generosity in the future. Your Father in heaven, who gave breath to your lungs, blood in your heart, who gave you life itself, has been so faithful in the past that then gives you confidence that he'll be faithful in the future. Thanks, Paul says. You want the enemy the weapon to fight against this enemy of anxiety, you go to God with 
things given you, but I don't know how he's going to answer it. Great, leave that line blank. Just thank him saying, God, I don't know how. I, I, I don't know how. And, and here's what I think should happen, but I don't even know if that'll work. I'm leaving the how blank. I'm leaving the specific gift blank, but I trust that you will give me what I need. I can't, but you can, Father. Anxiety's attacking, but you are the one who will stand on my behalf. And I can't wait to fill in the blank of thanksgiving and say thank you for what you did. But for today, I'm just going to say thank you for what you will do. Paul is saying the way to attack anxiety, prayer, petition, with thanksgiving. And notice what he then says, this powerful phrase, and the peace of God. Peace, this Hebrew word shalom, literally means wholeness. See, anxiety pulls you apart, but when God shows up, he begins to put you back together, doesn't he? Since Genesis chapter 3, the world has been falling apart and God has been in the process of putting things together again. And the peace of God, notice this next phrase, that transcends means it does not make sense to our understanding. When you add up all that's going on, when you add in your circumstance, when you add in the health report you just got, when you add in your children and how you don't know where they are spiritually, when you add in your marriage or the fact that you're not married or you're, you're begging God to save your marriage, when you add in the circumstances, when you add it together, it doesn't add up. The peace of God doesn't add up to human wisdom. It is bigger than that. He says the peace of God, the wholeness of God will restore the the semblance of life, even in the midst of anxiety, he says in the shalom, the wholeness of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart. Guard, guard, I love this. It's a military term. It refers to a garrison of Roman soldiers who would surround a city, and they would come and protect the people inside And so if an enemy began to attack while the people inside did not know how the soldiers were going to fend them off, they had confidence that the armed guards would find the best way to defend the people inside. Listen, you may not know how God is going to do it, but Paul says the peace of God will step outside and will surround you. Notice, not just your mind or just your heart, but both. Your heart is your emotions. Your mind is your thoughts. Have you noticed when anxiety attacks, it often hits you in one of those two places? Your mind, you just, you keep thinking, how is this going to work? How is this going to work? How is this going to work? You try to figure it out. You can't. And you're just, your heart, oh, I just feel so worried. I just feel, uh, uh. And the peace of God, God himself, when you say, God, I can't. I, I, I can't. But I thank you. For you stand between me and the enemy of anxiety. It's not going to stop attacking. But I don't need it to stop attacking because you stand between me and the anxiety that is trying to get me. He says, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will literally guard your hearts and your mind when enemy of anxiety attacks. God says, you will not take over my child. 
I defend this one. The God who gave his own son to die for you is willing to stand between you and the anxious thoughts or feelings that you're facing. He knows tomorrow. He knows how he's going to work it out. You may not know, but guess what? You don't have to know how he will fight to trust that he will fight for you. This is what it means to attack anxiety. And all this, all this is based on three final words. In Christ Jesus. One of the beautiful things we do as a family here is we witness people stepping into relationship with God through baptism. Baptism, if you're not a Christ follower, is simply where we go down fully into water and we come up. The water has no power to it. It doesn't magically wash us clean. But the God who meets us does, doesn't he? And I love this picture of baptism for when you go down into the water, you are covered completely. Every part of you is surrounded by this water. It is a picture of the moment that as Christ comes into you, he not only comes inside but surrounds you. He guards you. He says, you're mine. You don't know how it's going to end specifically with certain things here on earth, but he knows the way that he will accomplish everything that he's been doing for you. So family, are you in Christ? Some of you need Jesus desperately this morning. Some of us came in this morning weighed down with worry and people see the mask you're wearing but they don't see what you carry on the shoulders of your soul and you desperately need a God who's bigger than that. You don't need anxiety to stop attacking. You need a God who will stand between you and what is attacking. If you're not in Christ, you do not have this but if you will come to Christ Jesus, if you will give him your life, if you will submit yourself to him, say, I can't anymore. I've tried to defend myself and I've lost. He will say, I'm here and I will stand in between you and what is attacking And not only will you today find the peace in Christ, but he says, I will carry it out through all eternity. This is the gift of God in Christ Jesus. This morning, we're going to have a moment of prayer. But listen, I just want to say to you, if you do not know Jesus, if you're ready for this peace, I'm going to stay right close here. And if you want, you come, you find me. If you're not comfortable coming forward, you go to the back. We will have some elders. I'm going to ask some, go right back here. If you want prayer, if you need encouragement over the next five minutes, we're going to do that. See, this morning, we're not simply going to say, go and try this out this week. Some of you can't wait till tomorrow. You need it now. And so for the next few minutes, we're going to have a time of prayer where I'm begging you, petition God for what you need. Give thanks, knowing he will give you what you need. You say, how are we going to do that? We're in, we're in lockdown. We're, we're supposed to social distance. Guess what? You can talk to him where you sit and he hears you. So I'm going to invite you. Go ahead, get comfortable. We're going to do this for five minutes. Put your feet down on the floor. If you're sitting near someone... Maybe you came in with them and you feel comfortable. I'd encourage you, lean over and say, what can I pray about for you? And maybe you're not sure what to pray. That's okay. We're going to put on screen some scriptures for you. And as we prepare the lights, these words, if you're not sure what to say, just let those wash over you. Read them. Reflect on them. But let's go to the Father. Let's give him our worry. And this morning, let's receive the peace that he offers. Amen? Let's pray.